Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to this edition of the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. I am super excited to have uh, Barb back on the podcast with me today. I have a feeling this is going to be a juicy conversation, which I'm really excited about. And so Barb is a relationship expert with 25 years experience uh, under her belt. Her focus is on helping people create empowered relationships. So both with themselves, but also in their friendships, intimate relationships, family relationships, whatever it might be. And she talks a lot about, and this is one of the things that really captured my attention was uh, Barb made a post one day that said something to the lines of, and forgive me, Barb, if I butcher this, but it was (laughs) along the lines of the quality and depth of your relationship is only or your relationships are only as good as the quality and depth of the relationship with yourself. And that really, really struck me. And what I found super interesting about that was, you know, the fact that, you know, especially as you get to midlife, the focus on yourself and really understanding yourself better and passage of time, you start to know yourself better. You know, it's something that's really important. And it's also a time when relationships are shifting. So we're going to cover all of that. But before we do, so Barb also has a clientele of celebrity clients. I'd love to know who, but I know you won't tell us. <laughs> Just piqued my curiosity. Um, and she's also the author of a couple of books um, on intimacy. And there's the latest one being, what is it? Love, Sex, and the Spiritual Path, which we will also talk more about because I find that um, pretty fascinating too. She's also a speaker. You can find her online, Facebook at barbbeck.com as well. Is that your website? revolutionarylove.com is the actual website. Right. So, okay, perfect. So Barb is a lover of love and teaching people how to um, have their best relationships. So welcome, Barb. Super excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here and to have met you. Yes. uh, You know what? I love, love, love the internet for the fact that we can connect from all parts of the globe um, and meet people that we would never, ever have a chance to meet. So thank you for making the time. So let's jump in with the quote that I talked about. And maybe you can cover it a little bit more depth because this especially rang true for me, just about, you know, knowing yourself better and then how that plays into relationships, whatever type of relationship that might be. Mm -hmm. If, and I'm, I'll just give the website again, because if anybody really wants to be able to look at that quote of mine, it's right on the homepage. So my website is Revolutionary Love. That's my company, revolutionarylove.com. And if you want to look at that quote, what I say is the quality and the depth of the relationship that we create with ourselves will equal the quality and depth of all of our relationships. And when you really think about that and what that means, it's pretty stunning. I've had people say, I've done several podcasts and shared that quote and they're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Like, let me, let me really think about what that means. So if the quality and depth of the relationship I have with myself whether it's strong, healthy, good, whatever, 
is going to equal the outpicturing of all of my relationships. Wow. Yeah, it's so powerful. And it's especially powerful too, because I asked a question in my community the other day about if you weren't your job title or if you weren't, you know, any of the roles that you play, like mom, wife, sister, who are you? Mm -hmm. And what came back was a lot of people who are like, I don't really know. I'm trying to figure that out right now. And, you know, my community is all people kind of in midlife and they've reached this point realizing that, huh, maybe I really, you know, I've become lost in all of the things that I do and I don't really understand who I am underneath it. And so there was a lot of conversation about, you know, trying to figure that out. Who am I? Right. And trying to build that relationship with themselves, which is pretty interesting. It is interesting and fascinating that you're saying that because I have three three new clients that have all started within the last month. They're one in their 30s, but the other or the other two are uh, in their 50s. People that have done some a fair amount of personal growth or spiritual growth mm-hmm. who are right back sitting with that basic question again. I mean, that's a standard coaching question. When, when, you know, when we're learning how to be a coach and that kind of thing, the first thing you learn is that you ask, number one, who are you? That's the question people sit with. And the second is, what do you want? Right. And what you learn is that most people can't answer those questions. What I'm finding fascinating, what you just said, Jennifer, is I'm finding fascinating that it, those are questions to revisit in our lives. These are people that have answered that question, but they're in a new place in their lives. Right, right. And so to really sit down and ask again at 40, 50, 60, I'm 62, to ask again, who am I? And to keep answering that question long enough that you get past the roles, which are the place we start. Right. And then there's the long pauses and, the, and sometimes tears, I get uh, emotional when I start going deeper with, you know, who am I? I'm somebody who loves freedom, you know? Mm-hmm. How about you? You know, it's, it's really interesting that you asked, that answer that, asked me that question because I struggled with this for the longest time. And especially when, you know, I found my place, myself in the place where, you know, as an empty mes- nester, I was divorced. I wasn't my job. You know, I didn't have my career anymore. I wasn't wasn't my job title, and it took me a long, long time to kind of reach to reach that person. And you know, for me, I discovered myself to be a hugely passionate person, a lover of words, mm. which I would never have described myself before, and a lover of people. I love the dynamic of human interaction and what makes people tick. Like that for me is mm. just. <laughs> I could nerd out on that all day long. <laughs> so, Which is why you're doing this beautiful podcast. Yeah. Yeah. F- for sure. It's one of the most fun things I get to do in my, in my life is talk to amazing people like you. <laughs> so, yeah. One so, of the things that yeah. I, one of the things I would stress if anybody is doing, is, do, is, is listening right now and thinking, gosh, you know, maybe I do want to grab my journal and, you know, start to revisit those questions. The one thing I would really, really stress is, Get out of that crazy thinking mind. And the only way that you can do that is to sit in the silence with the questions long enough. This yes. isn't a sit down with, you know, and write out a list quickly or have some things not coming and then finally just start to go back up in your head thinking, well, what would be good answers? This is a soul searching process. And so it really requires you to allow it to be a process and to revisit it, and to listen deeply. Yes, that is so true. So many of us have become disconnected from ourselves just through, you know, the daily doing, 
as opposed to the daily being, right? And that's a huge thing that I, that I talk about a lot in the community is about, you know, who, like, what do you do when you're not doing, right? Like, you know, like, what are the, and what are the, even the simplest questions, like, what makes you happy? Like, that's another question where a lot of people have answered that question with, I'm not really sure yet. And, you know, it's like taking this, and I always say this, it's about taking the smallest step that you can possibly think of. So like, what do you know makes you happy? Maybe it's sitting in silence and savoring that cup of coffee or, you know, reading a poem or literally staring at the flowers in your backyard, whatever that might be. Um, Focusing on the tiniest little steps that you can take um, towards finding out tiny little things about yourself, right? That I like sitting for five minutes with my coffee, that I really yes. enjoy reading a poem first thing in the morning or whatever, whatever that might be, but just the tiniest little things because each one of those steps is, you know, a step on the pathway. <laughs> and just like you said, it, it takes time and it's a process. Mm-hmm. It's a process of kind of unwinding. You know, Jennifer, when you and I were speaking before, I told you I'm, I'm a little obsessed right now <laughs> and putting some workshops and some speaking engagements and things together around meaningful connection mm. because we are all so deeply missing and needing meaningful connection. You spoke at the beginning of this about the beauty of being connected online. And there is definitely a benefit and a beauty. You and I would not have been connected more than likely. So there, there is a beauty and, and a benefit in that. Yeah. Um, the downside is between all of this online and our phones, we're getting very, very disconnected in meaningful ways, in ways that are face-to-face and in-person events and that kind of thing. And so because we're longing for that, what's happening is the, the more that we don't ask and answer the question of who am I and what do I want, and as you said, what makes me happy, In other words, the more that we don't really know who we are, and especially if it's changed, if we've had a new phase or period or stage of our life, we're longing for the meaningful connection, but it's making that meaningful connection even harder if we don't know how to share who we are. Can you see that connection there? Yes. so interesting. That is so interesting. Uh Uh-huh. That is so interesting. Yeah, like how can you bring yourself to the relationship if you don't even know who you are? It will be superficial then. So we're longing for meaningful connection and depth, but we've got to understand the importance of what you and I are talking about here today. Really spending some time getting clear on who you are now and how strong is my connection to myself, my understanding of myself, my ability, here's a key, my ability to honor myself and what I need and what I want and to be able to express that to others and be able to connect in that way on a deeper level with others. Mm. Imperative. And you just said something that's, that's, that's kind of been in my mind as well too. So you said, who am I now? And, you know, the thing that a lot of the things that I hear too is, you know, as we enter this new chapter of midlife and we kind of shift direction, you know, externally, but also inside ourselves, relationship shift. And I hear a lot of people questioning, you know, the relationships, like either their intimate relationship or their friendship relationships. Is this still right for me or it's changed or whatever? And so answering the question, who am I now, as opposed to, you know, okay, I've been married for 25 years. I was that person. Who am I now? And then, you know, how do I then navigate 
the relationships based on who I am now versus who I was. How do you direct people in that? So am I hearing a very classic, so right now you and I are speaking about relationships and I'm assuming yeah. sort of love relationships. Yes. All of us have been in. Right. Am I hearing the classic question of how do I know whether to stay or go it could based be. on who I am? Because that's, I mean, that's a question I get weekly. Or it may be that you're also asking, well, how do we start to assess who we are so that we can assess just simply how to be different in the relationship, whether we're trying to decide whether to end it or not? Yeah. And I think the question is both, really. It's like something in this relationship is no longer working. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or it was and it no longer is. And so the question of, you know, is this right for me? Should I stay or should I go? Or even how do I navigate it now (laughs) based on who I am now? Right. Right. Because I think, especially women, and correct me if, if you think I'm wrong on this, I think women at this point in their lives go through a bigger, it seems to me it goes through a bigger, go through a bigger shift internally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally than men do at this time. And so men appears to me that are on the same kind of course, you know, a few bumps along the road, but women seem to take this draft, this hard left turn. Am I incorrect in that assumption? You are. And it's so fascinating. Like you couldn't be any more off base. And here's the sad thing, but they show it in such a different way that we believe that. And so we have a tendency then right now. So we're speaking any relationship right Right now. I'll just speak man, woman. Okay. So apply this to any relationship, all of you listening. The tendency though, when we're speaking about men and women is to look and say, my God, you know, I am feeling all of these new feelings. I'm dealing with all kinds of new emotions around, mm-hmm. you know, empty nester and, you know, maybe I want to change career. Maybe my career just, I can't do this anymore. I can't stay with this company anymore, you know, right. or whatever it is. But because women are much more comfortable expressing their emotions, mm. usually you'll see that and hear that. And women um, process that way by talking things through over and over and over. Men don't, and again, I'm making generalizations here. Right. But in general, men don't work through things by talking about them over and over and over. They'll ruminate for sure. And a midlife crisis is very, very real. That's another question I get all the time. Is that real or is that just something funny that we used to make jokes about or whatever? Midlife crisis is very real and equal amounts of men go through it. It actually breaks my heart to see men go through it because so many times they're just clenching. They're just white knuckling all of these emotions and feelings and questions that they're having. They have the same questions about their relationship. They have the same questions about their spouse, about their marriage, about everything. They come to me. I have always had uh, at least half, if not more men clients in my coaching practice, which is, it's just so interesting to me. And they will like CEOs of companies, really strong men, actors that we know out there within the first hour will start crying. And say the same things that women say to me. They'll be like, nothing's wrong. Everything's just sort of okay. My marriage is, you know, kind of okay. My spouse is fine. She does a lot of great things. My business is, and then they'll say that like, is this it? 
and I think men and women can both relate. Is this it? It's yeah. that what's it all about, Alfie? Like, do I just need to get okay with everything in my life feeling flat, boring? Right. And does that include my spouse? Right. And that's what you're saying. Is this yes. thing? Yes. How do that we know? Question. How do we know? We go, am I just done with this relationship? Should I leave? And my answer to that. And then you can ask me more about what direction you'd like me to go. My answer to that is, no, you do not just leave. What do we do? Gosh, just what we've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast. We go first and we turn back to ourselves and we look and we go, okay, I need to start doing my own personal work first to figure out who I am, where I am, what's going on with me so that I could open the door to a really honest, authentic, transparent, vulnerable conversation mm. with this person that I've been with. And if we're talking a best friend relationship, an adult child relationship, a family relationship, that's where we start also. Yeah. yeah. Well, the tendency is to go, I'm feeling something negative. It must be this thing outside of me, my spouse, my job, whatever. I'll let go of it, drop it, run, flee. Yeah. yeah, when it's really, yeah, the discomfort is inside of yourself. And if you're not looking there first, so many directions I want to go from there. Actually, it was like ping, 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 everything's mm-hmm. popping. First thing, though, the way that you just spoke about men experiencing midlife crisis, you know, I have, there's this tendency to, a man's midlife crisis as in, oh, sports car, young chick, you know what I mean? And almost make light of it. Exactly. And what I just heard you say, it's, it's just as serious and just as deep and just as meaningful as what women are experiencing. And more important, just as painful. Understand that man is in deep pain. Like I said, every single one of them, and I can rarely say every single on a lot of things I'm talking about, Every single one of them will end up crying when we're talking about wow. just this flat feeling. It's, they're in deep pain. And the problem is women are better at having a great group of friends. And they, because, again, women normally process that way, they will speak with friends. You know, hopefully we're not gossiping. But in terms of processing around what really needs to be talked about, women will do that. Men have a tendency to not have as many friendships or if they've been married with kids to have let go of almost all of their friendships, like college friendships and things. And so, and it feels very personal and a little bit embarrassing. And so a lot of them, I'll say, so who are we talking to about this besides me? And they're like, you, that's why I hired you. You know, like, so imagine going through what you went through, what I've gone through, what all your listeners have gone through, but actually feel like you couldn't talk to somebody about it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been, that would have crushed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. So I think too, I mean, it's important for us to realize, for all of us women to realize that it's not just us and that we, maybe we should be looking at our significant other, our friend or whatever, you know, with compassion and understanding for the fact that we're all going through this shift together. Yes. Right. So rather than like you just said, putting the blame externally on, oh, they've done this or they're not doing this or whatever it is to understand that we're all together in the soup trying to navigate our way to where we need to go next. One of the things that I very gently and compassionately (laughs) share with the women that I work with in this, where they, they would say, like with what you just said, they would say, hey, 
but this is this is legit. You know, this guy for the last 10 years has basically been shut down emotionally or this guy, you know, and they're saying, are you telling me that, you know, that that's not real, that I shouldn't be upset about this thing, that whatever. I'm not saying that at all. What I try to say gently is if you've been in this relationship for a long time and this has been going on, there's some part of this dynamic that you're playing out here too. I'm not saying anything like you've caused this or anything like that. I'm saying you've learned to do a dance together if you tell me that you've been doing this for years. You've learned to do a dance together. And so if we can own that, if we can say, well, isn't that interesting? Why am I the person who's been doing this dance for 10 years while he's whatever, (laughs) you know? Oh, yeah. Then we can come back and look, start to ask those questions again. Well, let me put all the blame and finger pointing and criticism away and sit and say, today, who I am is I know I'm somebody who's not interested in that kind of dance anymore. Today, I know I'm somebody who's not interested in that kind of unhealthy dynamic anymore. No blame, no criticism, no finger pointing. So who am I then? What am I interested in? What am I open to? Have I tried to have conversations? How about, have I acted like a team with my partner and said something really open and truthful as if we are partners and team players and said, you know what, are you feeling, you know, the kind of flatness, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't even know the words I'm looking for, but just that, that unaliveness and stuff. Are you feeling those same things that I'm feeling now about where we are in our life? Because I would love to explore something different with you. Most people don't approach a conversation that way. They wait until they're very frustrated and upset. Women have a tendency to hold on to resentments. Mm-hmm. And it comes out as a blame and criticism. Um, human nature is we're going to defend ourselves. Right. Right. Yeah, that's so I mean, and I'm a firm believer in if it's happening in your life, somehow you've created it, right? So you play a role in it, for sure, like you just said. And you know, it's, it's the easy way out to, you know, bash your spouse or whatever it is. Because it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to look inside and to say, huh, what role did I play? Yeah, right? Like, how did it, I? So it's also difficult just to simply admit that we have participated for a long time. Even like I said, you know, if there's something painful that's been going on, do I believe someone's created that, that someone's really toxic, poor, unhealthy, out of integrity behavior is your fault? No, I don't believe that. But if we're staying, if we've been in a relationship for a long time while this has been going on and going on and going on, it can be almost excruciating to have to look at ourselves and admit to ourselves that we chose to ignore it, you know, or avoid it or go into avoidance, you know, techniques or coping skills that are unhealthy, maybe drink a little more, maybe whatever. That can be very, very painful because we're saying, I'm recognizing I was at choice and this was what I I chose. And that can be painful. We don't need to feel bad about that. But we've got to feel how bad that feels so that we can make a new choice. Yeah. So how do you how do you recommend or what's kind of the what are the practical tips that you give to somebody to broach 
that uncomfortable, potentially uncomfortable conversation, whether it be with your best friend or with your spouse or whoever it might be, as in, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Like, how, how would you, if somebody wanted to know, oh, okay, I, I want to go have this conversation with my husband tonight. How do you recommend opening that conversation in a way that, you know, isn't blaming or, you know, <laughs> too aggressive right. or whatever that might be? Yeah. It's a great, great question. And uh, you might be a little surprised at my answer. Uh, You don't. Hmm. I'm (laughs) surprised. Say more, please. (laughs) And and I'm not, this is not me trying to to sell an ebook. I wrote a book called This Nightmare Called Marriage, Finding Your Way Back to the Dream. And I actually go through like the steps. So if anybody's like, oh my God, I want to read more about this, we can okay. at the end. So what I talk about in there is here's the reason that you don't. Let's take one of your listeners today who's sitting here and going, oh my gosh, she's talking about the situation I'm in and I'd love to go and have a conversation with my spouse tonight. How well do you think that conversation is going to go? And I'm not even talking about the man. How well do you think that our woman listener is going to do when she's been doing this, like this is their dynamic, okay, mm-hmm. for, you know, 17 years or whatever. Right. But today she listens to something, gets a little excited and says, I'm going to go in and have a conversation. How well do you think she's going to do? Or how quickly do you think she's going to fall into the pattern that's deeply ingrained in how the two of them deal with each other? Right. <laughs> And this is what happens all the time. People come back to me and they go, Barbara didn't work. And I'm like, tell me what happened. And then all I hear is, okay. And then we ended up in the same looping argument that we do. So when I, I'm not being funny when I say you don't. What, unless there's, there's something going on like physical abuse or that kind of thing. I always tell people there's something horrible going on in a relationship, then you need to get out immediately. Mm -hmm. If there's not, and you're just at this place where you're like, oh my God, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. I say, make a commitment to yourself for the next 30 days to stop what you're doing that's not working. In other words, to stop the bitching and complaining and finger pointing and you know, and playing the victim and all that. And if you look and you start writing out, what have I been doing? You'll be amazed at what, what behaviors you've fallen into that are adding to this really unhealthy dynamic. Mm. And then you start the work. And the work is what I was describing to you last week, Jennifer. The work that I take clients through when we're talking about um, really creating a good quality and deep relationship with yourself is I have clients start by putting a personal honor code together. That means what you are holding your own feet to the fire around, what behaviors, how you're going to show up, no matter what, and regardless of what anyone else is doing, including your spouse. So this honor code is based on you and no one else. The second piece is I take clients through a boundary um, Mm. setting process. Right. So that when it really, when nonsense is going on or toxic behavior or ridiculous looping arguments or whatever, that you have the ability to lead your relationship, to steer it away from that and say, you know what, let's stop right here. This isn't going anywhere. It's really important to me to have a good conversation with you. So 
let's we're going to end this conversation and we'll pick it up at another time when we can both be calm when we figure out what we're going to hold our feet to the fire around around our old our own behavior and have a good month of practice with that because let me tell you it's going to feel so hard when you've got laid down patterns and you know how to start saying no and staying out of toxic dynamics now you're ready and calm enough to be able to go in and say to a spouse, a best friend, a parent, hey, I was wondering if I could share some things with you. And what you share is not, hey, this is what's not been working in our relationship. You start sharing the realizations you've had about yourself hmm. and get this one ready for this and how you haven't been showing up well. Oh, ouch. Yes. <laughs> and what you're committed to now, what you're really working on. And only at the end do you say, and geez, would I love for this to affect our relationship wow. in a really positive way. And for us to start some really good conversations around how we could be a real team again. It, most of the time, a partner will look at you with their mouth. I can't tell you how many clients come back and go, oh, my parent was just staring at me with their mouth hanging open. Because usually those things end up as fights, arguments, finger pointing, and blame. And so they're sort of stunned when they're like, what? You just, you just said you haven't been showing up well the last few years and that you really want something different? Wow. Wow. That's so powerful too, because I mean, coming from a place of vulnerability, when you, when you lead with, you know, I haven't been showing up, which you just said is an incredibly hard thing for, for us to admit. Yes. And but, yeah. but vulnerability, talk about Brene Brown talks, talk about the power, talk about the strength in that kind mm. of vulnerability and honesty. Ooh, that's empowerment. Yes. That is so empowering. In reality, and the only thing you can control is yourself, Amen. right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, how many people have died trying to change another person, <laughs> change a person, right? And here's the beauty. Uh, again, I'm obsessed with talking about this right now. While we have zero control over anybody else, zero, it's always astounding to me the powerful positive influence that we have on the people in our lives when we do what you and I are talking about right now and stop lecturing and threatening and suggesting and controlling and actually start modeling that kind of really healthy behavior, living with a personal honor code, being able to say no and not get into arguments that go spiraling down that modeling, like in other words, just what you said, who you are being, having your being, you know, up leveled. Mm. Oh my God, the positive influence that it has on people around you. It, it's, it's always stunning to me. Yeah. And as you're saying this, I'm, I'm going back to kind of where we started about, again, it's really hard to do that without like you just said, the self-reflection, understanding yourself, the knowing yourself, right? To be able to get to that point where you can say, hey, you know what? Mm, this is what I'm responsible for. Ooh, these are, this is what I've been doing. I've been, you know, nagging my husband or, you know, complaining to my girlfriends about my husband or whatever it is. 
yeah. right? But without that kind of introspection and knowing your own behavior and your own actions, it would be hard to get to that place. I mean, it may seem obvious that I'm saying it, but it is interesting that us human beings always want to kind of quickly solve a problem by looking outside of us at the circumstance, situation, or the person, quickly say it's you, and try to move on or change situations or get out of that relationship. And the thing is, if what's going on is something internally in us and we're not wanting to look at an area of emotional immaturity that's still there, which, by the way, we all have, including me, yep. <laughs> if we're not willing to really get honest about what the problem is and what our part in it is, then how are we actually able to solve it in a way that makes any sense? I mean, think about that. If we mm-hmm. aren't getting clear on what really, truly is contributing to the problem, we're solving the wrong thing. Right. It's that simple. Right. Yeah, and it is really sad to your point that we've been taught to always reach outside ourselves for no matter what it is, right? Like it's always something external to us with and not acknowledging, you know, the power that we have of our own over our own lives. And I think, you know, it and I see this play out when you know, you start to get some gray hairs, you start to get a few wrinkles, right? And you start to there's a lot of focus on fixing the outside. Right, like yes. I just dye my we hair. We hear that every day. Right, if I, yeah, we are bombarded with that every day. It's like if I dye my hair and get some plastic surgery, I'm going to feel much better about getting older. And I'm like, but no, you'll still be feeling the exact same way with a slightly polished exterior. Yep, right? and then something else will fall apart. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's like it becomes a full time. Yeah, one of my one of my friends said to me one day a little while ago, she's like, yeah, my 15 minute once a month maintenance routine has now become a two hour daily. <laughs> We're laughing, but it's so damn sad. It is, it, and it's uh, so true, right? But it's like you would literally die trying unless you shift your focus to like what's going on on the inside. And we can't help it because we've literally been bombarded as women that our value in the world is about how we look or our ability to reproduce, right? And so taking that journey inwards is no easy feat and it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> right? Because you don't know, you also don't know what you're going to find when you're in there, (laughs) right? Like, but oh, so necessary for the health of every part of your life, right? Like, I think the beautiful thing about aging, I've found this myself, is we naturally, most of us, start to let go of that really desperate need for approval and people to like us and all that kind of thing that we've done through our 20s, 30s, maybe into our 40s, you know, we just naturally start to, to be able to do that a little bit easier, to be able to tell truth to ourselves yes, um, a little bit quicker, to realize that, you know, we don't need to make a mountain out of a molehill about everything. We just, in other words, what we're describing is, is wisdom. We start to genuinely have some real wisdom. And that modeling that I'm talking about, you know, I feel like it is not just an opportunity, but at this point in my life and in our world, I feel we really have a responsibility to keep (laughs) waking up. Not that, you know, 20 years ago, it was a, a good idea and fun to do. I, this is just me, but I personally don't believe that anymore. I think it's imperative that we understand the responsibility that we have to keep waking up 
to keep showing up well, to do this deep personal work, which, um, excuse my language, but a hell yes is really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You have to commit to being uncomfortable for a period of time as you are really looking at yourself, telling yourself hard truths. I don't mean beating on yourself. I mean watching any avoidance techniques that you've been using for any length of time. <laughs> and they're sneaky little mothers. <laughs> you know what? I show up really controlling with everybody all the time. Ah, I've been hearing that from people. Or, you know what? I just avoid any kind of conversation around this with my spouse and because I don't want to actually deal with where we're at or whatever it is. To I think it's imperative that we say, you know what? My healing and my growth is necessary for me, but it's necessary for our world. And so yes. let me be one to, to raise my hand, to get uncomfortable, to do this work so that I can do what Barb and Jennifer are talking about here today, model, not lecture, model a way of living in alignment with your integrity, the woman that you truly want to be, the man that you truly want to be, one that you can be proud of. I, every one of my clients, I always laugh, if they all were here right now, thousands would know that I've said to every single one of them, when we work on this personal foundation work of an honor-coded boundaries and unhooking from the need for approval, I say to each one of them, I want you looking in the mirror every single night while you are brushing your teeth, look yourself straight in the eyes and be able to say to yourself, I like how you showed up today. Hmm. Oh, that's, that just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I know it. And so that, if you're getting to the point where you're able to do that and you're getting out of reactivity and you're able to actually calm yourself and respond instead of reacting and you're starting to change your relationships, all of them in this way, you're adding to the health and consciousness of our world. You're modeling that. And it is having a powerful, positive influence on everybody that you come into contact with. Yes, whether you know it or not. I, I truly, truly, yes. truly believe that. And, and, you know, more than ever, our planet needs people to be stepping into their power, you know, and especially, you know, women in midlife. Like it's, you know, we, we, we've been cultured into the fact that, you know, as soon as you reach 50, you're on the downslope into, into oblivion. And it's just so not true. Like there's so many gifts that we have to share. And, you know, really stepping into your power. And just like you said, modeling for the world is how we change things. Yes. Right? We need men and women. Right men now we're women. speaking yep. women. We need what women at an older age have to offer. The wisdom, their yes. life experience, their nurturing, their resilience, their power. I mean, oh my gosh, the qualities that women have, all women, but especially women that have been on this planet for quite a few years. We need that wisdom and those teachings and that love and that modeling. We can't just give up and go away. We've no. got to step up to the plate and help the younger generation I've just become a grandmother. I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got this sweet little boy now to, to hang out with and, and add more wisdom and teaching into mm -hmm. his life. Yeah. 
and model it for him, right? Like and this model, is, yeah. Model. yeah. It's so true. Like we, we have a responsibility. I a hundred percent believe that. Like we, there, it, you know, fading into the background is not, is no longer an option. No. I a hundred percent agree with you. Like the world, the world needs us more than ever. And the more that we recognize this and the more that we are able to step forward and step into our power, like the bigger the change in the world, like the things that we're modeling for the people, for the you know, generations that are coming behind us. Like I truly believe that women of our generation are, we're navigating a new path. We are not you know, the previous generation of 50-year-olds and 60-year-old women. We are yeah. something completely different. And we are on the leading edge of a major shift. And so, like I said, like, and like you said, the, we, we have a responsibility to like really step up. Mm-hmm. right? To aid yes. know ourselves, to empower ourselves, and to model that for everyone around us. You know, I think I, did I share with you my analogy, the thing that I read about the killer whales? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, just, for the, just, just for the audience, um, I read something the other day that said that the only other mammal on the planet that actually goes through menopause and lives past their reprodu- reproductive years are um, female killer whales. And the female killer whales step in to become the leaders of the pod. So they are the people that, sorry, the, the, the beings that help nurture the babies, find food, lead them in the direction, you know, away from predators. Like their roles are just incredible. And I'm like, this to me, when I read that, it just, it hit me so hard because I'm like, yes, this is exactly what we, the human form is in human form is being asked to do, mm-hmm. right? Is now to guide this, this new generation. Yeah. So um, it's it's so empowering. So I hope everybody <laughs> feels as empowered by that as I do. <laughs> yeah, so beautifully said. I just love that you shared that. You know, the wisdom that women have at this age, at a later age in life, is and and the the innate like nurturing and loving that we have is what's also going to help with what I was talking about in the beginning, Jennifer, this deep need and desire for more meaningful connection Mm. because that requires emotional connection and women absolutely lead easier in that area than men do. It doesn't mean there aren't men that do it, but this is a this is a quality that women naturally have, and they're going to be the ones that are going to be helping get us back into this place of having more meaningful connection in our lives, heart to heart, vulnerable, truth telling, empowered conversations and connections. It's it's the women that are going to lead the way in that area. Wow, that's so important. And I read somewhere, and tell me if you think this is true or not. Um, I also read somewhere that that empathy is also a superpower that women develop later in life, like the real ability to, you know, to, to feel what another person is feeling. And maybe that's part of what you were just talking about, connection. Mm. Do you, you think that's true from your experience? I don't know. I, I'd be... I'd be really interested to learn more about that. My, in my experience, I just simply think that empathy is something that we slowly learn in life. Mm. Our, you know, our parents can try to teach us that and have teachable moments and that kind of thing. And some people are a little more able to cultivate that kind of thing. I've seen some teenagers that are incredibly empathetic and I 
I've seen some that were like me that were not <laughs> at that, that age. I think it's something as human beings in general that life experience helps you keep right. developing empathy because, you know, it's natural in our development to initially just keep thinking everything's about us. Yeah. Me, 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 me. And we get whacked down a few times or we actually have life experiences that scare us or hurt us or whatever. Or we watch somebody we love go through something hard and we start to really develop more empathy. So I, I do believe that it is something that develops over the years. Yeah, well, that's true. Life experience breeds empathy for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay, so we talked a lot about kind of, you know, taking the onus on yourself and getting to know yourself better and, you know, creating awareness of your patterns and your behavior. How do you instruct or guide somebody to begin that work? So you've never gone there before. How, how would you recommend a person start? I actually have them start with the personal foundation work that I do. Oh, that's right. You, right. you talked about the, the honor code? Yep. I have them start working on a personal honor code. And I actually have them not work on that and boundaries at the same time. Because if people are in a place where they're either feeling stuck or resentful or angry, you know, or in that bit of victim mode or finger pointing or whatever, the tendency if we start with boundaries or if we try to work on a personal honor code and boundaries at the same time is the boundaries feel really good because behind the desire to set boundaries in the beginning is a little bit of, yeah, damn it, I'll tell you what I'm never going to put up with anymore. And that it's okay to feel that way. But boundaries need to really not come from that place of huge resentment and anger. When we start with the honor code, it requires us to do what you and I've been talking about. It requires us to start telling some hard truths about ourselves, doesn't it? We can't really decide what, how we're going to show up in the world from here on out if we're not assessing, well, how have I not been showing up well? So what's an example? So what am I committing to now? Right. You know? So what's so just for clarity, so what's an example of what somebody would write on an honor code? As yeah. in, I'm always going to what? Yeah. So let me give you let me give you a couple. I'll give you one that I work with that are on many, many, many women's lists <laughs> because uh, so many women have some codependent and caretaking behaviors, and especially in yep. a marriage. Yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> so if somebody's saying. Usually that shows up initially as anger. It'll show up like this. I am so sick and tired of taking care of everybody but myself. I wrote a good blog post on this. So if any of you want to read that, go to my website under blogs and find that. I'm so sick and tired of taking everybody but myself and caretaking everybody and it always being about everybody else but me and blah, blah, blah. But who said yes to that? You see? Yep. Gotcha. And so if we look at that, one, if somebody who's had trouble with that in their life and is ready to say, no more, I don't want to do this anymore. I need to show up differently. What's required first is owning it, recognizing it and saying, okay, this is what I've been doing. It's nobody else's fault. Nobody made me be my mother's caretaker or do all this stuff for my husband or whatever. I, I may have bitched and complained the whole time, but I still, I did. I took on that role and I got something out of it. I did get something. We don't do anything, right. nothing right. that we don't get something out of, yeah. not, not continually. So we decide, oh, I kind of like playing the martyr. Or, oh, I kind of liked being the one in control. Or, oh, I kind of like being the one that looked like they had it together while he, whatever. We tell the hard truth, which means then we have to decide, okay, 
I take responsibility for it. I own it. But I'll tell you what, I am so done with that. So now as the woman I want to be and how I want to show up in the world, here's my list of my personal honor code. And what one of those might sound like is if it's an honor code or not a boundary, it might sound like, and, and if they're not speaking up when they need to, it might sound up like, sound like I show up authentically in every moment, regardless of the perceived consequences. Right. Ooh, boom. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. Here's another, this was on mine. You know, I lead with kindness in every interaction. That doesn't mean I stay happy or I don't say no or set a boundary or whatever, but I do, I lead always with kindness. I don't lead with a negative assumption. I don't lead with a chip on my shoulder. I I don't do that. I lead with kindness in every situation. And so here's the interesting thing though. We can get all excited like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're putting an honor code together for ourselves, which based on where we know we need to grow and stretch because they should feel... They should feel like we're ready for this list, doable, but a bit of a stretch too. Right. Feel a little bit of a stretch. Wait till you do that. You can get very excited about an honor code. Wait till the next day when you have to start living it. Here's This is why I think it's exciting. When you see really kind of how big that gap is <laughs> between how you've been living your life on a daily basis and how you've been interacting with people and how you say you're really going to show up now, boy, that gap is uncomfortable. And it takes practice, real practice. When you start to dance around something and not speak up because you don't want to rock the boat and you're not going to whatever. And then you look, because I always say, read your honor code every morning during your meditation. And then you look and you say, I show up and speak up authentically in every moment, regardless of the perceived consequence. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Damn it. Um, then we go to boundaries. Then I have my clients go to boundaries. And that's because the boundaries are, are more real. And actually, we come up with boundaries with more compassion and empathy when we've started with ourselves and our own behavior and acknowledged how we have been out of alignment with mm. So that's where, wow. that's where I start with. That's amazing. And I like, as, as, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, personal honor code. I'm like, well, I got 15 things I want to put on it. <laughs> do, uh-huh. do you recommend like a certain number to start with or like? Where you just people like, always ask what I find is um, when I work with people on, on uh, fleshing out an honor code, I ask them to just do a big mind up, just like get out a legal pad. Don't, because ultimately those sentences are written in the affirmative as you heard right. me just say one, right. but just vent, mind dump, just get this stuff out. And if, if at first it sounds like here's what I'm, you know, here's what I don't like about how I've been showing up or whatever. Great. Just get it out on a piece of paper and then put it away for a day or two. Come back, put your feet back up, get your journal again and look and read through it and see what's really jumping out at you. When we listen to our heart, we listen to our intuition. We know the ones that are the nuggets of behaviors we can change and how we want to start really being versus doing. And then we can take the time to boil those down and shift them into affirmative statements. In general, it's funny. It almost always ends up being around eight or so. I don't know why, but after years of doing this, it usually ends up being around eight or something. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many there are. 
Cool. I do find if somebody goes, I have 20, I, I would say, I think there's probably an overarching right. undercode that would encompass what, what you're saying. Yeah. And even just like the whole idea of an honor code, I think is really, is really uh, empowering. Um, and, it, and in holding ourselves at account, there's power and accountability. There's account- accountability is empowering is what I should say. <laughs> and then, you know, reflecting, you know, like you said, on a daily basis about, oh, yeah, well, yesterday I didn't, or it's like you said, it's a practice and having those things written down to reflect on. Yeah, Every day, starting your morning that, that way. This isn't just an exercise we do in our journal and then we put it away. Yeah. If you're going to do that, don't bother. Or yeah, maybe it's helpful if you want to do that and then never look at it again. At least you'll, you will have spent a moment thinking about it, but it's not going to change your life. And I'm being right. very blunt about that. It's not going to change your life if you just do it as an exercise and put it away. Right. That thing that you and I've been talking about, willingness to stay really uncomfortable for a period of time until new practices and new habits and patterns mm-hmm. are put into place. And that requires effort, attention, intention, commitment, everything. Yeah. And trusting ourselves to be able to handle the discomfort right? Like nobody's going to (laughs) die. I haven't died yet from all the times that I've been extremely, and I'll tell you the boundary setting. Most of my clients say, Barb, I'm not kidding. I know this sounds dramatic. Men too. I just had a guy tell me this, but I swear to God, when I set that boundary yesterday, I literally thought I was going to throw up right before. And I go, oh no, I get it. I've thrown up. When I first started setting boundaries in my life, I'd throw up, make the phone call, go back, throw up. And then, but here's the key. And then feel this huge sense of like lightness and empowerment and freedom Mm -hmm. because I stood up for myself, you know, but I, I always tell my clients the truth. Understand that if you've not been setting boundaries or speaking up for yourself, you're going to be shaking in your boots and you will feel like you are literally going to get sick. You'll be that scared, right? Right. Which is the sign. I want you to know any of you that are like, oh, I know, which is a sign of how important it is for you to begin setting those boundaries if your reaction is that extreme. And mine was, I didn't learn right. to set boundaries till I did a crash and burn and hit therapy at age 32. You know? Right. Oh, this has been so... <laughs> I know. So interesting. We could keep talking for four hours, I swear. I could too. But we might have to do like a part two or something. Maybe I'd we, could love that. Whole, we could do a whole show on boundaries. Like we literally could do a whole show on boundaries. But thank you so much for taking the time. So I encourage everybody to go get themselves some more Barb, some more Barb Beck. So her book, Love, Sex, and the Spiritual Path, which we didn't get to talk about. So maybe that's the part two. And then also it's revolutionarylove.com is your website. It is. And just I want to mention that little ebook, Love, Sex, and the Spiritual Path. Anybody who wants to go onto my website and click, you'll see where it just says click here for a free copy of that. All you're doing is signing up for my newsletter. And that at this point is just going out once a month. But you'll immediately then get a download and a free copy of that Love, Sex, and the Perfect. Spiritual Path. So, gosh, anybody who's interested in reading that little ebook, you know, go grab that today. And then on my website, uh, there's a way if you want to contact me and talk about some coaching or you want to be on my list for this upcoming program and, you know, that kind of thing. It's all right there on my website under contact me. 
Perfect. Awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Um, everybody go check out. I'm sure this is, <laughs> if, if anybody else is feeling like I did about 15 things popped into my brain where I'm like, I need to know more. And so please go visit Barb's uh, site, read her stuff. And yeah, hopefully we, one day we can get to do part two. That would be so, great. Thanks. Thank you, Barb. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in. 